Hello again, everyone. My name is Stephen Wilson, and you are listening to the podcast The Leaves of a Victim Nevermore with Stephen Wilson. This podcast is for people that suffer from addiction or for people that identify as victims of sex abuse. This podcast is a form of therapy for myself as I sound off on the things that I deal with on a daily basis. And I, I'm in a group of adult men that were all sexually abused as children. And I'm still going to maintain the, the actual agenda that I've set up. Today's reading comes from H.P. Lovecraft because in about a week, it's going to be Halloween. Ooh, scary. <laughs> okay. I'm a little too excited. Uh, yeah, today is H.P. Lovecraft, The Shadow Over Innsmouth, 11. Shortly before 10 the next morning, I stood with one small valise in front of Hammond's drugstore in Old Market Square waiting for the Innsmouth bus. As the hour for its arrival drew near, I noticed a general drift of the loungers to other places up the street or to the ideal lunch across the square. Evidently, the ticket agent had not exaggerated the dislike which local people bore toward Innsmouth and its Denzians. In a few moments, a small motor coach of extreme decrepitude and dirty gray color rattled down State Street, made a turn, and drew up at the curb beside me. I felt immediately that it was the right one, a guess which the half-intelligible sign of the windshield, Arkham, Innsmouth, Newport, soon verified. There were only three passengers, dark, unkempt, men of sullen visage and somewhat youthful cast. And when the vehicle stopped, they clumsily shambled out and began walking up State Street in a silent, almost furtive fashion. The driver also alighted and watched him as he went into the drugstore to make some purchase. This, I reflected, must be the Joe Sargent mentioned by the ticket agent. And even before I noticed any details, there spread over me a wave of spontaneous aversion, which could I neither check nor explain. It suddenly struck me a very natural that the local people should not wish to ride on a bus owned and driven by this man, or to visit any oftener than possible the habitant of such a man and his kinsfolk. When the driver came out of the store, I looked at him more carefully and tried to determine the source of my evil impression. He was thin, stoop-shouldered, man, not much under six feet tall, dressed in shabby blue civilian clothes and wearing a frayed gray golf cap. His age was perhaps 35, but the odd deep creases in the sides of his neck made him seem older when one did not study his dull, expressionless face. He had a narrow head, bulging, watery blue eyes that seemed never to wink, a flat nose, a receding forehead and chin, and singularly undeveloped ears. His long, thick lip, 
coarse poured, grayish cheeks seemed almost beardless except for some parse, yellow hairs that strangled and curled in the irregular patches. And in places the surfaces seemed queerly irregular, as if peeling from a, some continuous disease. His hands were large and heavily veined and had a very unusual grayish-blue tinge. The fingers were strikingly short in proportion to the rest of the structure and seemed to have a tendency to curl closely onto the huge palm. As he walked toward the bus, I observed his peculiarity shambling gait and saw that his feet were inordinately immense. The more I studied them, the more I wondered how he could even buy shoes to fit them. A certain greasiness about the fellow increased my dislike. He was evidently given to working or lounging around the fish docks and carried with him much of their characteristic smell. Just what foreign blood was in him, I could not even guess. His oddities certainly did not look Asiatic, Polynesian, Levitan, Negroid. Yet I could see why the people found him alien. I myself would have thought of biological degeneration rather than alienage. I was sorry when I saw that there would be no other passengers on the bus. Somehow I did not like the idea of riding alone with this driver. But as leaving time obviously approached, I conquered my qualms and followed the man abroad. Extending him a dollar bill and murmuring the single word, Innsmouth. He looked curiously at me for a second as he returned 40 cents change without speaking. I took a seat far behind him, but on the same side of the bus, since I wished to see the shore during the journey. At length, the decrepit vehicles started with a jerk and rattled noisily past the old brick buildings of State Street amidst a cloud of vapor from the exhaust. Glancing at the people on the sidewalks, I thought I detected in them a curious wish to avoid looking at the bus, or at least a wish to avoid seeming to look at it. Then we turned into the left onto High Street, where the going was smoother, flying by stately old mansions of early Republic and still older colonial farmhouses, passing the Lower Green and Parker River, finally emerging into a long, monotonous stretch of open shore country. The day was warm and sunny, but the landscape of sand, sedge-grass, stunted shrubbery became more and more desolate as we proceeded. Out the window I could see the blue water and the sandy line of Plum Island, and we presently drew very near the beach as our narrow road veered off from the main highway to Rowley and Ipswich. There were no visible houses, and I could tell by the state of the road the traffic was very light hereabouts. The small, weather-worn telephone poles carried only two wires. Now and then we crossed crude wooden bridges over tidal creeks that wound far, in line, far inland and promoted the general isolation of the region. Once in a while I noticed dead stumps, crumbling foundation walls above the drifting sand and recalled the old tradition 
quoted in the, one of the histories I had read that this was once a fertile and thickly settled countryside. The change, it was said, came simultaneously with the Innsmouth epidemic of 1846 and was thought by simple folk to have a dark connection with hidden forces of evil. Actually, it was caused by the unwise cutting of woodlands near the shore, which robbed the soil of the best protection and opened the way for waves and wind-blown sand. At last, we lost sight of Plum Island and saw the vast expanse of the open Atlantic on our left. Our narrow course began to climb steeply, and I felt singular sense of disquiet in looking at the lonely crest ahead where the rutted roadway met the sky. It was as if the bus were about to keep on its ascent, leaving the sane earth altogether and merging with the unknown arcana of upper air and cryptical sky. The smell of the sea took an ominous implication and the silent driver's bent, rigid back and narrow head became more and more hateful. As I looked at him, I saw the back of his head was almost as hairless as his face, having only a few strangling yellow strands under a gray, scabrous face. That was, once again, H.P. Lovecraft, The Shadow Over Innsmouth, Part 11. Well, my friends, today we will talk about the upcoming holiday season, Halloween. Now, I know many people bound by their religion, they stay away from it. They participate in the form of candy eating, consumption. Some may even pass out candy, but they don't decorate their house or, or they don't dress up. But I have to tell you that in this week's therapy, quite a few people that normally just sit there like a stump, they decided to speak up. And the reason for it was the idea of the costume. Now, to that extent, there was also a reference to the trick-or-treat. Who says that anymore? I don't know. I know when I was a kid, harassing people, blowing up mailboxes, TPing people's houses, front trees, deflating tires, it was more trick. But I believe that in modernity, trick or treat has changed. I don't really see a lot of these things taking place now. As a matter of fact, as I am a Shriner, our lodge, they decided to do another trunk or treat this year. Instead of going house to house, all you have to do is come to a very large parking area and go around from car to car and you get your candy. I, I gotta tell you, I gotta call lazy on that one. But because as the world has gotten more and more unsafe, I don't blame the parent for taking the easy road. The kids can still dress up, they can still go car to car, and the parents can watch them the whole time. We did actually have some other activities. We had, we had some 
drinks, we had some cupcakes, cookies, and there was idea this year that there might be some cornhole, and there might be some other games to, you know, to keep the kids interested, make sure they have a good time. Because inevitably the kid's gonna wanna know why that they're not going house to house. And this happened to be something that was brought up in therapy by multiple people in the group about the idea that everyone's worried about safety. But nobody seemed to be worried about safety when we were kids. I didn't know it until this past session. But one of the guys, somebody got to him on Halloween. He was asked into the house because the person, well, the person said that they had candy, but they didn't have any more at the door, so they had to go to the kitchen and they invited him into the home. I don't know why he went in. He doesn't really remember. But the man, well, in reaching for the candy, also caressed the little boy, the guy that is now in the group when he was a kid. And then he kissed him, gave him the candy, and told him if he wanted to come back, he could. And I kept thinking, you know, since I have been in group therapy and listening to other people's stories, it is always interesting to me to see the pedophile and all the games they play. Because for them, it is a kind of dating. In the same way that you go to a club or a bar and you try to talk up a young girl or, or you try to talk up a guy, you try to get your sex on. But it's not Halloween. You put on perfume, you put on aftershave, you dress up. Some show more flesh than fabric, but they want to be treated like a, a gentleman or a lady. But they came to a party. See, the kids, they get in costumes and they go house to house or car to car. But there's always a concept of safety. Back when I was a kid in the late 70s and 80s, people were starting to put razor blades and apples. Some people were putting nails and candy bar, shards of metal. And there were cases of kids that cut open their lip, cut open their mouth. Their teeth broke off. But it really wasn't widespread. It, I mean, it wasn't urban legend. It, it did happen, but it was not a regular thing. But there was always that stereotype of the angry old man or angry couple. They couldn't have kids on their own or maybe their kids didn't talk to them anymore or some shit, whatever. But back when I was a kid, you went out there and you did your thing. But here, 
society seems to have taken a turn and given the kid a safer place to go. And I don't know why they brought up safety this time. They normally don't speak at all. They just sit there. And, I mean, once in a while they might sound, once in a while they might sound off, but uh, some of the new people in the group, they just kind of go through the motions. They're still feeling their way. I personally don't think that they're ready, but that's not my call. But it was the concept of Halloween, a holiday, Sam Hain, the day before, the night before, All Hallows Eve. You go from God to the devil, back to God. But you dress up, don't you? You dress up in costume. You dress up and you want to pretend to be somebody else. The kids, you know, they've got superheroes. I, um, there were kids that were dressed up like Cobra Kai, which for those of you that have not kept up with the original Karate Kid, um, Ralph Macchio was not in the Cobra Kai. That was the bad people in the movie. But there's nothing wrong. If you, I mean, if you want to go to villain, if you want to stay DC comic and you want to go dark side or uh, Desaad or, you know, it, it's cool. Parademon. It's all good. It's Halloween. It's always about the mayhem. It's always about violating somebody's whatever. I know that doesn't make me look very good, but during all of this, going through full disclosure, I had to openly admit what kind of childhood I had and the things that I did. And some of these things that I did, I did before the rape, so I can't blame the rape. I can't blame the teacher. But in this holiday season, and I find it, I mean, the irony is not lost on me that we celebrate Halloween and then we get ready for Thanksgiving. And that prepares us for the birthday of Jesus Christ. And then we celebrate the new year as if our calendar is more significant than somebody else's. But the guys kept talking about safety. Now, these guys are not as old as I am, they're younger. And so they grew up in a different time. And, you know, for those of us that grew up in the 80s, we had, you know, we had Jason Voorhees at Camp Crystal Lake, and I grew up in Crystal Lake, so that was always a thing. And plus I played hockey, so, you know, you get access to a hockey mask or an old hockey mask with no rear cover, you know, wear a green flak jacket, get a machete, and you're good. And then you have Michael Myers and also from Haddonfield, Illinois. So, you know, Illinois has got their fair share of scary people. And I just want to fit the mold, don't I? <laughs> okay. But when you wear the mask and you put on the uniform, you get one day. You get one day to scare people. You get one day to pretend. You get one day to do your own thing. And 
some people, they wear their costume all year long. And it took him a little while to get to it because they, both of them kept talking about safety and then they eventually got to the masquerade called life. You put on your dress clothes, you put on your theater piece, you got your makeup, you got your, you know, your cell phone, you got your skinny jeans, double click on stuff. You got your Netflix and your Super Bowl and, and you know, your vacation to Cabo. You're good to go. But that's what they were calling out. Because I was like, you know, at some level, everybody's a phony. And as somebody that lived a double life, the, uh, the concept of trick or treat had always been something that I enjoyed. People that knew me, they knew that predominantly I was gonna go with the trick. For those that I liked, for those that I enjoyed, the treat would be a very good treat. But it is the topic at hand. The masquerade of life. We get one day to pretend to be something else. A comic book hero, a movie icon, Star Trek, Star Wars, Harry Potter, Tom and Jerry, Bugs Bunny, Donald Duck, Cobra Kai. But what do you do about the rest of the year? See, on Halloween, it's obvious. You look like Dracula, you've got, you've got the fake blood on your chin, and you've got the teeth put in, your hair slicked back, got the cape. Okay, you're a vampire. Ooh, scary. But what about the rest of the year? What do you suck out of the people the rest of the year? Here you're going to dance. You're going to get drunk. You're going to get high. You're going to have a good time. But you discard the concept of safety. There's no place here. I'm not here to be safe. I'm here to scare people. I'm here to get some head. I'm, I'm here to get some cocaine. I'm, I'm, I'm here to have a good time. But I don't care about what time it is. I know midnight's coming. I, I'm going to keep partying until I can't. The fact that this year Halloween falls on a Monday is not going to make Titty Tuesday any less relevant. But what about the rest of the year? What you do on Halloween, is it going to affect how you celebrate Thanksgiving? I know that it's difficult for people to believe, but there are worse things in this world than COVID. Vladimir Putin has brought that up, and he's proven it. But as an American, we don't really have an issue with that because we know that every single day. On Halloween, it is obvious what you're trying to do. But what about every other day of the year? Because I've always been curious about the phony. Because I, I, I fundamentally don't have a problem with what people are. But I have a serious problem with what people claim to be. You want to look like the Cobra Kai, you want to look like Dracula, super. But how am I supposed to take you the rest of the year? I have no idea about your hidden agenda. I don't know what you really want. 
because in a few weeks, we're going to have another an election to end all elections. This is going to be the most important election of all time. Again, part 18, the resurrection. <laughs> I don't think that's idle that we go from Halloween to election day because you want to talk about Jason Voorhees. You want to talk about Freddy Krueger. You want to talk about Michael Myers. And then you're voting for a senator or a governor, another representative. And I got to tell you, the two guys in the group, they kept talking and, you know, you know, time was up, but they kept talking. And we just let them talk. We start on time, we end on time until we get new fish and they decide to sound off. For myself, I, uh, one of the many Ren festivals that I went to this year, I purchased an official pirate hat, made a sword. I have a sword. I'm going to make a sheath. And this Monday, I'm going to harass people. And I'm not going to worry about the cause to effect. I'm not going to worry about the consequence. But what are you going to dress up as this year? And what about the rest of the year? I don't expect you to answer, and there's no reason to contact me on that. I'm, I don't really care. But I, I just want you to, well, I just wanted to say it. Well, that, that's really all I wanted to do this time. Um, be safe. Have a good time out there. And be whatever you want. Happy Halloween. You've been listening to the podcast, The Leaves of a Victim Nevermore with Stephen Wilson. I'm Stephen Wilson. Have a good scare. <laughs>